and I think how that pertains to parenting is the same. When we are showing our children that we are willing to be self-reflective, it creates a safe space for them to be too because they're watching us do it as opposed to I'm all, always right. I know all the answers, but I expect you to be self-reflective all the time. And like that's just not a great environment for a kid to then feel safe making mistakes. That's really true. That doesn't set up a great dynamic. And that's why there's a modeling piece here too. If you want children who grow up to be adults who one day are willing to look at themselves when they maybe emerge from a situation that was hard, or you want to raise children who become adults who look at themselves and go, where can I keep growing and learning and developing? Then we have to first model it because then it's not as scary either. It's like, oh, it's not scary to look at where I might've gone wrong there. My parents did that all the time. Welcome to Raising Adults, the groundbreaking parenting podcast that starts with the end in mind. We're your co-hosts, Dina Thayer and Kira Dorian. We created future-focused parenting to take families from surviving to thriving. So join us as we help you stop raising kids and start raising adults. Welcome to Raising Adults. We are so glad you are with us again today. We welcome all you future-focused parents to Kira's Laundry Room and my office, and we're glad to be back with you today and want to just give you a heads up that we are headed into winter break time, and we won't be having a new episode for you for a couple weeks, but Hang tight because here's what's coming and it's great. We're going to have a couple of key episode replays for you. And I think they'll be really relevant because often we're, we're home or maybe even with extra family during this time of winter break. And so some things can crop up that we might want to revisit. And so we'll be replaying a really popular episode on sibling relationships and how to foster those. And what do you do with those sibling squabbles that sometimes arise? And we'll also be offering a replay of Parenting on the Same Page, which is all about how do you go about really getting and staying on the same page with your parenting partner if you have one. That's right. And here's the good news, my FFPs. Um, we are actually going to be releasing a new online program in the new year. It's going to be released in January, and it's going to be all about parenting on the same page. So that episode is like the tip of the iceberg. Uh, we've been doing a lot of public speaking on this topic, I think particularly because of the season of pandemic that we're in. People are really struggling with this issue. So we're going to release that course in January. So do have a listen to the episode that airs over the break. And if you like what you hear and you want more of that, then make sure you're a subscriber because our subscribers are going to get early notification of the program and a discount. So if you haven't yet subscribed, you'll want to go to bit.ly slash Raising Adults Podcast. So that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash Raising Adults Podcast, all one word. That will get you subscribed to our mailing list and our newsletter. And then in January, when we release the program early to our subscribers, you will be notified first. So if you haven't done that yet, make sure that you do. Yeah, so it's so important. And, and you're right, it has been kind of extra popular right now because I think the situation we're in kind of can highlight where parents might not be doing things similarly in their home and that can create some friction. Also just want to mention that it's applicable even if you are a single parent or in a blended family. We highlight a lot of ways to adapt those principles for those situations. So just be watching for that. If you're a subscriber, you get to know about it first and you'll get kind of the sneak peek 
tip of the iceberg by re-listening to that wonderful Parenting on the Same Page episode. It's been a really popular one. So as we head into this time, though, we picked today's topic really strategically. We're coming to the end of the year, which means then we start to think about a new year that's coming. And while a lot of focus in a new year is often on things like goal setting and what am I going to be doing, what are some, you know, maybe some milestones I'd like to achieve, what we want to talk about today is looking inward and that piece, that self-awareness piece of looking at maybe this year and what what do you think went great? What do you think maybe didn't go so great that you might want to work on? Kira and I talk a lot about our growth areas. So there are things that we bring to the table that are definitely strengths, but there's areas where we want to grow too. And being able to take that peek at ourselves sometimes and look inward is so important. So as we finish off one year, come into the cusp of a new year, we wanted to just chat a little bit about this today as it pertains to your parenting. How do you look inward to then go outward into the world and be a better parent? Yeah, that's a big one. I mean, they're all big ones, but that feels that's huge, right? Because then you have to face your own ish. And yeah. no one no one likes that. <laughs> no. Oh man. Yeah. I love this topic because I do really think that self-awareness, not just in parenting, but just in life, is so important. You know, it's something I know you and I are both really passionate about. I think it's one of the reasons you and I work so well together, because we're constantly kind of checking and rechecking about how am I engaging with someone who thinks differently? Am I handling things in a way that feels good to my partner? You know, our listeners don't see us out or hear us outside of the show, but that's very much how all of our business meetings are, right? It's like, hey, I just want to check in about that thing. Just want to make sure that I didn't rub you the wrong way. Or we do a lot of like, hey, I just need you to know what's going on in my world today so that if I seem grumpy, you know it's not about you. Like those are all things that are about just being aware of who you are and reflecting on who you are and making sure that it, you know, informs your own awareness of how you're moving through the world. Absolutely. That's a perfect way to put it. It does inform how you move through the world. So let's, as always, start with our why. What is, what's your why, Kira, for why this is important to sometimes take a look inward? Well, I actually think that my ultimate why is really around being a good person. I think that the best people are people that aren't afraid to look inward. And so for me to be a good person, I have to be willing to do that. I have to constantly be willing to check and see what of my stuff is sticking on other people. What am I, you know, sort of spitting out onto other people and it's sticking there. And so that relates to my parenting because Obviously, to be a good parent, I want to make sure I'm a good person first. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and there's the modeling piece, too. You know, how do I teach my kids to be self-reflective? So many of us parent that way. I need to be doing it, too. So they need to see me as a work in progress and that I see myself as a work in progress to be able to feel safe being their own work in progress. That's my why. Mm, I like that. So my why is that I think this is where you get your why. So hang in there. I know that sounds confusing. (laughs) But I think when we know ourselves, we understand why we're operating the way we are. And so when we come up on a situation where we didn't, maybe even if we didn't like how we handled it, we can still at least go, oh, based on what I know about myself, I know why I did that. And we can also then know why we're making the choices we like. And so I really wanted to teach my kids to be very aware of not just their strengths, but their weaknesses so they could understand why they were operating the way they were, but also to challenge those areas that maybe weren't so great 
And so that we don't use understanding ourselves as an excuse either. It's not like, well, that's the way I'm wired too bad. Be able to challenge that, to look inside and say, that's an area where I could do better. And so it's interesting for me because we talk all the time about our parenting whys. And really that was mine. I think knowing yourself helps you know your why. It's like, oh, because I'm a person who cares about character, that's why that's my overarching why. Or because I can't stand spelling errors, that's why that bugs me when I have a typo. You know, I mean, all the way, you see how that's like macro and micro, it can it can apply to little teeny things and really big things. And I, I just think that's so important as my kids start to shape their whys as they grow into young adulthood, that so much of that comes from knowing who they are, how they work, and being willing to take a look at that even when it's not great sometimes. So, I mean, I'm coming back to your quote, which you talk about all the time about the importance of know thyself. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. I think you're 100% right. And I think you've touched on something here that, you know, we talk about empathy on the show all the time, right? Like we really have to try and empathize and teach our kids empathy. And that's how we make a better world when we can empathize. But there's this piece of almost being empathetic with yourself because when we look at someone else and we say, oh, I can see what's happening for that person, right? I don't really maybe like the way I'm being treated or I don't really maybe like the behavior, but I can empathize. I can understand why they're doing what they're doing. We have to be able to do that for ourselves as well, partially for the growth that you're talking about 100%. That's the only way we're going to be able to get better. But also from the forgiveness element of, I mean, I, I have this a lot because Whilst I model very well being imperfect, I'm not a fan of being imperfect. I would much <laughs> prefer to actually just get to perfection already because it is very challenging for me <laughs> to constantly recognize my own imperfections. I don't like it. But I think that there's this piece of when I understand why I'm doing what I'm doing, I can forgive myself and I can say, what am I going to do about it? Right? Right which is exactly mm. what we teach our kids all the time. When you make a mistake, you got to go, okay, what did I learn? How do I get better? Yes. But you also have to forgive yourself the mistake because you're human. And that's what this is. It's going, yes, that makes sense to me, right? That line I love so much. Like, oh, yeah, I can see why I reacted that way. That makes sense to me. Still not okay. So what am I going to do about it, right? Holding both those things. For sure. Then it becomes that launch pad to do better next time instead of just a place to wallow or make excuses. That's exactly it. So in terms of hows, are there ways that you use self-analysis to grow? What are what are your practices around this? Yeah, you know, I think I have a pretty strong gut. And so my gut's really good at telling me when something doesn't feel right, especially about my own behavior. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a very strong conscience. And so um, I think that oftentimes I, I try and pay attention to that. If I can feel that something's not sitting right, then I probably need to be looking at why it's not sitting right. And, you know, the practice I use is something I used to use in my own private practice, which is really that, you know, you call it the peeling away the onion. I kind of think of it as like drilling down to the root of what's going on. So, you know, constantly asking just what you said, why, 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 why? So, you know, if I am looking at a situation and thinking, oh, I don't, I don't really like how I handled that. Then I'll ask myself, well, why? What is it about that situation I didn't like? Oh, I didn't like the way, you know, maybe I spoke to one of my kids. Okay, well, why did you speak to them that way? Well, because of this, that, and the other. Okay, well, why did, you know, and just you keep asking yourself why 
until you get to the root. Like, what is it about that? What is it about that? And until you can kind of drill down to, oh, well, you know, in my own childhood, which is usually where all my ish comes from, <laughs> um, in my own childhood, this, that, or the other. So a really, I'll give an example. I have a child who is a strong leader, much like I was as a child. Some might call us bossy, but I prefer the word leader. <laughs> and um, and they remind me of me. They really do. And I think that what I discovered, there was a situation where this child was leading very strongly. And I reacted very strongly because I was very worried that they were going to lose a friendship. And I was so sort of uptight and frantic about it. And it really came out in my parenting. Like I was, once I kind of looked back, I was like, wow, I was much more concerned about the situation than I was about breaking down what was happening for my kiddo. And that's not usually my MO, right? So that was my first clue was like, wow, I don't usually react that way. <laughs> so I need to look at that. That's different than my usual reaction. And when I looked at it and I really kind of boiled it down, what I realized was that I was so operating from my own childhood experiences of having lost friends because I was a strong leader. Um, I mean, I'm just going to call myself bossy because I was, I was, I was super bossy that I was projecting that onto my kid. I was like, oh, I, I just know what's going to happen here because it's what happened to me. And I got to prevent that from happening because I don't want that to happen to my kid. I mean, you can even hear the way I'm talking about it. I was so uptight mm. about it. And as soon as I realized, like I'm going to get emotional just talking about it, but as soon as I realized that like my kid has to have their own experiences, right. I cannot save them from that. And even though I wish I could, it's also possible they won't have the same experience as me. And me projecting my stuff onto this child just caused tension between us. It did not solve the problem. It just made things worse. And so for me, as soon as I kind of got that gut reaction, like, wow, this feels really different. I don't like what happened here. I took some time in my room to to look at that and be like, okay, what what was I responding to? Well, I was responding to my fear that they're going to lose a friendship. Okay, well, what makes me think that they're going to lose a friendship? Well, I lost a friendship when I was a kid. Ah, and then it was like ding, 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 you know. <laughs> and from there, I could start to look at, oh, this is actually bringing up stuff for me that has nothing to do with my kid. So, yeah. I mean, that's a long-winded example of of where then turning inward helped me recognize it. And then just to finish up, and then I swear I'm going to stop talking. I um, was then able to go back to this child and say, hey, I want you to know what just happened here because it actually didn't have anything to do with you. I realized what was coming up for me was my own childhood experience, and that wasn't fair for me to put that on you. You get to have your own experience, and my job is to actually be here as you have those experiences, to talk with you, to be someone you can lean on, not to be someone who makes you feel stressed about the situation that you're already stressed about. And so we were able to have a really great conversation. And I would say on the whole, I parent very differently now around this topic because of that self-reflection. Right. It brought you to a whole new awareness. And that's a great how, listeners. Did you catch that? If you're feeling like something is off in your gut, even when it's about your own behavior, to really look at that and be willing to drill down to the core of it, get to the root of it, that can be really helpful. So why don't we take a quick break and then I can share one of my hows? That sounds great. All right. We'll be back in a moment. Are you raising boys? If so, you're probably confused and overwhelmed, at least some of the time. I'm Jennifer L.W. Fink, parent of four boys. And I'm Janet Allison, teacher of many more. We're the co-hosts of On Boys Parenting Podcast, 
where we explore and explain boy behavior with a healthy dose of humor, insight, and inspiration. We share concrete, life-changing tips that we've discovered over the last 20 years of parenting and teaching boys. You'll also meet leading experts and best-selling authors. With listeners in over 100 countries, On Boys has quickly become a parent favorite. As one mom said, I feel like I'm not alone on this journey when I connect with On Boys. Find On Boys on your favorite podcast platform or subscribe at onboyspodcast.com. Join us for real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. So one of the things that I do around this is an attitude posture that leads to action. So let me explain that. My attitude posture around looking inward is having an attitude of what's next. And I've actually talked about this before on an episode, and I don't remember which one it was, that I've taught my children to be like this about chores, (laughs) that if I give them a job to do, instead of like scurry away, do it as fast as I can and get back to playing, that they would come back to me and say, I've finished, what's next? And so there's this wonderful posture of how can I continue to help? And I want to take that posture with myself in terms of how can I continue to grow? So whenever I'm working on a specific area and maybe I feel like it's going okay, I'm going to ask what next? And that has helped so much because it really keeps me from being complacent, not just in parenting, although certainly there, but also in my life in general. When I have this posture of, I want to keep growing, I want to keep developing. So I'm just like all about personal development. It really excites me and it intrigues me. And I know that isn't the case for everyone, but just being willing to ask the question, what next? Is there something else I can be working on? And then the second piece of that, once you have the attitude, is that it leads to actual action. So when you do identify maybe this thing you need to work on, to go ahead and get some resources around it talk to somebody about it, or if it was a relationship issue, to circle back around and resolve that issue. I I call it closing the loop. I think it's really important that we don't leave a bunch of partially open circles out in our Mm -hmm. world. Close Mm -hmm. the loop, go back around, admit where you had a misstep and ask for forgiveness if that's what's necessary. And Describe how you're going to do better. What are those specific actions that you will do differently? I think that's really important. If it's more maybe just an educational or intellectual deficit, and I don't mean that negatively, I mean maybe you've found an area in your life that you need to learn more about to do a good job. Get some resources, get some books, listen to a podcast. So I really think the attitude is important, but it has to then lead to action. So I'm going to give also a practical example. And it's, it does have to do with parenting, although it might seem a little bit tangential in how it does, but it really does. And that is with estate planning. I am not an estate lawyer. Let's what? just be clear. Are you sure? <laughs> I am positive. I'm also <laughs> not a financial planner. So that has been an issue for me. And as Scott and I have tweaked our, our will and our advanced directives and things over the years, I keep becoming maybe just more aware of my deficit in this area. And what's unique is, of course, with a blended family, we have mm. different guardians for our children. Like if we were to both die, my kids aren't going to the same place his are. I mean, there were so many things. And so just one small example is that I really try to avail myself of the resources available. So 
when this came up most recently, because we have kids who are, you know, starting to go past 18 and fall off needing a guardian, but we still have to decide, would they really be ready for one fifth of an inheritance? Yeah, I don't know. Um, so, <laughs> you know, thinking about trusts and all that, I'm like, I know nothing about this. So I reached out to an attorney and I asked some questions and I think that's really smart. Is there an expert in the field that can fill in the gaps where you're not an expert? And the other thing is I bought a book about step family financial planning, because it is very different from a traditional family. And so that's just an example where when I looked at what's next, oh, we need to revise our wills. I don't know what I'm doing. I got some resources around it. So it's that it's that double posture of the attitude of what can I be looking for? How can I continue growing and then take some steps into that? I love that. I love that. Wow, that is way more complicated, the estate planning than, <laughs> than I would have even considered. It is a hot mess. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what a great, what a great example of like, it's okay to just own that. Like, I don't know, I need to, I need to know more and not be afraid of that. I think that's right. And it really does impact parenting, because that's us deciding kind of our children's Mm. futures in advance. And we want to be really intentional about that, right? So it's not small. I think we're in such an interesting culture. Sorry, here comes the hike. Um, I think we're in such an interesting culture these days of a world that sort of tells us that we're supposed to know everything and that we should know everything. And and that, you know, I think about like, you know, job interviews or whatever. It's like, you're not supposed to show that you don't know things. You're not supposed to admit that you don't know something or, or in classes or anywhere. I just feel like somehow we've been conditioned in the modern day to, that you're supposed to at least pretend like you know everything, act like you know everything. And, and actually that's, it's not the best way to move through life. There's nothing more, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, beautiful is the wrong word, but nothing connects me more to someone than when they're willing to admit, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Tell mm-hmm. me more. Or I don't know. Let's go find out. You know, there's it's just something very human about that. And I think this kind of leads me to the other thing I wanted to say, which is that, you know, when someone is self-reflective, when they're not afraid to look at themselves and come back and say, here's what happened here and here's why it happened and here's how what I'm going to do. Just like you said, you know, these are the steps I'm going to take from this point forward. It makes you feel very safe with that person. And that has certainly been my experience. My father's very much like this. He's really amazing at self-reflection, really amazing at coming back and saying, you know, here's what went wrong. Here's what I'd like to do differently. You're really amazing at it. And it as someone who is self-reflective, it makes a self-reflective person feel very safe mm-hmm. because they feel they can be vulnerable because the other person's being vulnerable too. And I think how that pertains to parenting is the same. When we are showing our children that we are willing to be self-reflective, it creates a safe space for them to be too because they're watching us do it as opposed to I'm all, always right. I know all the answers, but I expect you to be self-reflective all the time. And like that's just not a great environment for a kid to then feel safe making mistakes. Mm, That's really true. That doesn't set up a great dynamic. And that's why there's a modeling piece here too. If you want children who grow up to be adults who one day are willing to look at themselves when they maybe emerge from a situation that was hard, or you want to raise children who become adults who look at themselves and go, where can I keep growing and learning and developing? then we have to first model it because then it's not as scary either. It's like, oh, it's not scary to look at where I might have gone wrong there. My parents did that all the time. Right. You know, exactly. It just really makes it seem so normal. And like, this is just part of what we should be doing. So I think that can be really positive. And it also lets us continue growing from you know positive things and the harder things. It, it 
gives us a chance to like lay out our mistakes and look at them, but not necessarily judge. I'm not saying that it's like really in a way to look without judging to go, oh yeah, that happened, <laughs> but, but just to learn from it instead of like, that was the worst. So I think there's also something really great and gentle about people who are willing to look inward because they've also learned to look at themselves with a lot of care and concern and gentleness. And that takes practice. Because I think when I was first interested in this, when I would look at myself, it was more to criticize myself, mm. if, I'm, if I'm really being honest. I feel like the growth area was, can I look inward and look at it objectively and then see the mistake as a growth opportunity and not a reason to berate myself, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And this is actually, I think, worth talking about. So then if we're encouraging everyone, like you got to look inward, <laughs> then what are the ways that you cope with the feelings that come up when you do, because we're going to have them, right? It's not an it's not an if you have them, like you're going to. It's very very hard, I think, particularly for self aware people, because we're we're heightened, right? We're, we're sensitive. We want to do right. We want to be good humans, which is why we're being self reflective, and we are then constantly exposed to our failings. <laughs> so there's a lot of feelings in there, and I think this is often why people aren't self reflective. Is it's very scary to go in there and go, oh, now there's this and look at this and look at that. You know, it's just like Pandora's box of stuff, mm. which is why people avoid it. So if we're encouraging people to do it, I'm curious what your coping skills have been as you unpack the box and go, oh, I have to look at that again. And oh, here's that ugly thing right there. You know, what do you do to to handle that? Yeah, well, it, it's kind of twofold for me. And, and one really does involve my faith paradigm is mm. I have to come back to my value isn't in what I think about myself. And so that has been really transformative at times when maybe I actually couldn't get there by myself. I, I unpacked all the things and I tried my best to look at it objectively. And I still was like, I feel pretty awful about this. But to be able to recognize, okay, my identity isn't in that. Like God is a huge fan of me, no matter what. That's been really helpful so that as I move through the feelings, it doesn't mean they're not there. But it's, it just takes it out of the context of judgment and reminds me that that my failing in this area isn't where my worth lies. So that's been a really helpful piece to lean on when I kind of can't get there because sometimes I can't and I'm just being honest about that. Like I'm human and sometimes all the work in the world and all the great self-development doesn't get me to a place where I'm like, I'm really comfortable with that flaw. <laughs> I just don't always get there. But the other thing that I do that I think is helpful when I'm having a lot of feelings around that is I use my community. I have had to admit at times because of this work we do, in fact, to give an example, there are times where we do an episode and I feel like, gosh, in that particular area, I'm actually kind of falling down right now and I have kind of imposter syndrome. And I will talk that through with trusted friends, with my husband, with my mom a lot who parented me, you know, and just... Mm -hmm get that reassurance. And that can be really helpful in just getting some real live comfort, so to speak. Sometimes I, I think of this story where a child was being talked to about how like God is with you. And they were like, I don't get it. I can't see God. And and the kid finally said, but sometimes I just want God with some skin on. Hmm. And, I, and I feel like my friends and community can be God with skin on for me sometimes to just say, you know what? You're still amazing. And actually your mistakes make you relatable. Who wants to listen to a podcast host who has all her ish together? You know, whatever. <laughs> but I mean, sometimes that helps if yeah. I'm just feeling down to get some encouragement from people who 
know my mistakes and love me anyway. Isn't that special? I mean, that's a special group. So mm-hmm. just just two quick things. What about you? Well, I asked because I, I don't think I do this very well. Oh, um, and I think I'm in a real season of – I think I'm realizing that. Oh. I think I'm in a real season of going, wow, I am a self-reflective person and I'm committed to being one, but I don't like how I feel – when I'm self-reflecting and I don't cope well with it. Um, And I think there's, you know, a couple pieces for me that contribute to that. One is being in the theater industry for most of my life. I mean, I started performing when I was three and I didn't, I mean, I don't, I haven't even officially left the business because I still do voice acting, but like in terms of leaving the world of like auditioning in front of people and performing in front of people, you know, I was in that world for 30 years basically. And that is a world where, absolutely someone else's opinion of you really matters. Like, I mean, you know, my parents could tell me till they're blue in the face, like, don't worry about what other people think. But then you're in a a business where you absolutely have to care what other people think. And so I think I'm realizing that my identity is very wrapped up in that. And I'm realizing how important it is for me to be liked, which I think might surprise a lot of people because I am such a bull in a china shop that people assume that I don't care, but I really do. Like, I really, really care. I don't care if we agree, but I really care that you like me. <laughs> so so it, it, that's a very complicated feeling because then when that stuff comes up for me, less so with my kids because I feel like we are learning together and the modeling piece is so important that it can kind of offset things a little bit. But certainly in my interpersonal relationships, mm-hmm. I spiral pretty fast into a deep, dark place about what a terrible human I am, always with a commitment to do better. <laughs> which is good. And I think that's part of it. And then I think the other thing is actually the story that I told earlier. I think, you know, up until a certain age before I lost this friendship, I didn't care what people thought. And then suddenly it was like, oh gosh, I could actually like lose relationships over this. And so now I think that was a major life event for me as a child and and really colors how I feel about my own failings and and shortcomings. So sorry, listeners, you got my therapy session today, but that's definitely... As we're coming into the new year, that is something I am deeply committed to working on because, you know, it, it doesn't help me. It doesn't serve me to to spiral like that. And and I think it, you know, it impacts in these little areas where I could be better if, if I if I had better coping skills for it. So thanks for sharing your tips. I will be taking them. <laughs> And I can be one of your community people. I love that. That's wonderful. You are one of my, you're already one of my community I know you and I love you. So let me know if you ever need that. And here's the great thing. I just thought of a great acronym. Of course you did. With joy because Kira likes to take us on the beautiful hikes when she gets the thought. She's like, oh, this wasn't even to do with anything, but we're going to go there. It's R-T-O-T-D, rabbit trail of the day. Yay. And I love it. I love it. I always end up enjoying the view. So I'm glad you took us there. And that was really vulnerable and authentic. So thank you for sharing. Because I was thinking, you're like, oh, I just three ends the heck no, out of no. and I'm fine. You know? No, I, I talk a great game for everybody else. Um, but inside, Kira is always just a mushy pit of despair when she's done something wrong. But, you know, I think you said something a second ago that I think is so important. There is something so powerful for having relationships in your life where people see you like wholeheartedly see you, your flaws and all, and they choose you anyway. And just to bring this back to parenting, that's who we have to be to our children. I see you. I was going to say that. (laughs) Of course you were. I love you so much. We are are one person with completely different paradigms, (laughs) one shared brain. 
Oh, that's exactly it though. I mean, that's who we need to be for them where we see all their, their boo-boos and the ways they get it wrong and just are like, oh, I see all that. And I am still crazy about you. That's it right there. Cause then they won't be afraid to look inside. Cause then they know when they go outward with whatever they've looked at yeah. while looking inward, it's safe. And that is, I mean, that is the one tool I do use a lot is I look at, and I bet this is exactly how you feel about your relationship with God. I go to when I'm in my deepest, darkest state, okay, who are the people who know all these negative things about me and still choose me? And what does that mean? What does it mean? It means I'm enough. It means I'm right. a good person, right? Like all that stuff. So I think that is such an amazing tool. And, and we want our children to have that too, not just from us, but look at all these people in your life. Or if there's a faith paradigm, look at this relationship that you have with a higher power that loves you unconditionally, that thinks that you are you know, imperfectly perfect. That's, uh, yeah, that's what we're aiming at. That's right. And that's what helps us grow. And you've just once again segued me into the quote beautifully. So thank you, Kira. So today's quote is by Lawrence Bossidy. And here's what it says. This is what we've been talking about, guys. Like successes and failures are both worth looking at. I love this. Here's what Lawrence says. Self-awareness gives you the capacity to learn from your mistakes as well as your successes. It enables you to keep growing. Hmm. I love that. I love that. And the acronym is now R-O-T-D. R-T-O-T-D, rabbit trail of the day. R-T-O-T-D, rabbit trail of the day. It's like R2-D2. I mean, that can get really confusing, 12-niner. But anyway, it just made me laugh because you're like, here it comes. We should start finishing the episode with here's your quote. And just to remind you, your R-T-D-O-D is whatever pretty hike I took us on that day. Oh, wonderful. I love well, it. listeners, we really do hope that was helpful for you as you round out 2020, which has been just wow. Wow. I mean, there's no w -O -W. other word. W-O-W. There's an yeah. acronym for you. <laughs> yes. It's, it's been something. And at times it's felt like a dumpster fire, let's be honest. But at other times, it's probably provided a great avenue for growth. And I know for many of us, having our schedules and calendars cleared, ended up being a blessing in disguise. So as you come to the end and maybe have a little moment to pause and look inward, we hope you'll take advantage of doing that as you move into the new year. And feel free to share with us on social. We'd love it if you let us know what you're thinking about as you looked inward, where are areas you want to grow? What are some new parenting strategies you might try as you head into 2021? So let us know about that. Thanks so much for being with us. And we will be back with you in January. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded partially in Kira's laundry room, partially in my office. Editing by Allison Preisinger. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>